Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, we all have an inheritance from God. We have an inheritance. But communion represents the doorway to that inheritance because without that, we would not have an inheritance from heaven. And they're singing about the glory. And we think, why do we need the glory? Why do we want the glory? I'll show you. We read about all these mighty men and women in the Bible that did exploits. Just a few hundred years ago, or a hundred and so years ago, I don't know when these men actually, what timeline they lived in, but it hasn't been that far back. But Apostle posted this, and the title of it says, Men Used by God. It says, Be empowered to do exploits in the last days, the latter glory. I'm going to read a few of these testimonies from these men what was recorded from them. <laughs> We've all heard of Charles Finney. See, now this is, this is just a few years, <laughs> I don't know, just a few years back. A few years back. I'm talking about probably 100 or maybe 200 years back. So this is what's available to us in the glory. Charles Finney says, A man with massive fire, his appearance caused 200 souls to weep without any sermon. He rode a horse through a city and people went down, went down crying for salvation. <laughs> The glory. William Seymour says, A man with rugged tongue of fire. In his days, the fire of the Lord came down physically to demonstrate ancient realities. You know, the prophet called down fire in the Bible. William Seymour called down fire. It actually happened. It's recorded. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but that sends chills. John G. Lake. A man with tongue of fire. He raised the sick to the point they arrested him for practicing medicine without a medical license. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you imagine getting arrested because you healed so many people and they charged you, you don't have a license to do this? Hmm. John Carvine of Geneva in Switzerland says he paid the price. That's a key. He paid the price to the point that in Geneva there is no house without a prayer warrior. And he achieved it during his time by praying. John Knox of Scotland, he cried to God saying, Give me Scotland or I die. He was serious. And God gave him Scotland that after his death, ten years after, there is no beer parlor in the city. The presence of God 
was so strong that even after he died, they could not establish a beer parlor for 10 years. Hmm. St. Patrick. We've heard of St. Patrick of Ireland. A man with raw fire used his signature to raise a six-month buried corpse. He cursed the snake in Ireland, and till to date, there is no snake in Ireland. These are men and women just like us. They've just spent time in the glory. <laughs> hmm. It says, and they tagged him the apostle of Ireland. Francis Assisi, not sure how his name is pronounced, of Italy carried God to the point that he understood the singing of birds. You know, birds, they sing. They, what's their purpose of just sitting around singing? They're praising God. He understood. He was in the glory so deep. <laughs> John Wesley preached after they drove him from the city and went to his father's grave. Now, he went to a graveyard to preach. <laughs> says he used it as a pulpit 700 people came to listen to him and the journalist inquired from him what is his secret why would 700 people gather in a graveyard to hear a man preach he said I set myself on fire and the people come and watch me burning Catherine Kuhlman says that she was so anointed that people were being slain under the anointing on her way to the airport just by passing the same way she passed. Can you imagine? You walk through the store somewhere, and then somebody come up behind you and they fall out because of the presence of God being so strong on you. Archbishop Benson Adahosa says he was so anointed that by his word he canceled the meeting of the whole witches in the world meant to be meant to hold a meeting in Nigeria. The witches were planning around the world were planning to come to Nigeria to meet to have a conference. This man walked in such authority he canceled it and they couldn't have it. Just saying. <laughs> T.L. Osborne. This hasn't been too many years ago. I don't know. Was so empowered in the Holy Ghost that in some of his crusades, Jesus appeared in the sky, which led to the salvation of many. <laughs> Joseph. I.O. Barbalola, something like that, walked with God to the extent when ministering, he was suspended on the air and diverse miracles and healings were recorded. I mean, we think that's strange that he would be suspended, but Jesus walked on water. Peter walked on water. God can do whatever he wants to do. I'm going to talk to you a little bit this morning about an inheritance. Y'all like the word inheritance? As born-again believers, we have an inheritance from God. Dr. Mike Murdoch said, anything permitted increases. You know, someone posted that 
on Facebook, and I saw it, and it jumped out at me, so I, I grabbed it. Anything permitted increases. We have a tendency to think, when we think of something like that, if you permit something and it increases, we think on the negative realm. You permit your child to act up, it's going to get worse. They're going to act up worse, and then they're going to act up worse. But this does not say anything permitted on the bad increases. He said anything permitted increases. So it's true in the positive side as well. We just got to let God renew our minds to that level. You know, I can permit in my yard, I can permit weeds to grow, or I can permit flowers to grow. It's my choice. It's the same in the spirit. Anything permitted increases. Let's look at Genesis 11. I mean, Genesis 1, 11. It says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed was in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Increase. God permitted increase right there. Genesis 1, 20. God said, let the waters bring forth fish and fowl. And they did. We have fish and fowl today in abundance. Increase. Genesis 1, 24. Let the earth bring forth animals. And we look around. There's plenty of animals around. Increase. Verse 28 says, be fruitful and multiply. That's talking to man. There's plenty of people on the earth today. God established increase at very creation. He established the principle of increase. Genesis 8:22 says, "While the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease." What that actually says is that increase. What we allow to increase will increase as long as the earth remains. See, God released increase in the earth at creation. And we allow, you came out in prayer this morning, we allow good increase in our lives by believing God's word. That's where good increase comes from. Our finances, our provision increases if we permit them to. You know, we blame a lot of things. We blame a lot of our lack on circumstances. But according to God's word, he released increase. But we have to allow that increase to take place in our finances. Second hmm. Corinthians 9, 6 says that if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. That's how you permit increase in your finances but not just in your finances. Because, see, this scripture doesn't apply to just your finances. It applies to every area of your life. Proverbs 18.24 basically says, if you need a friend, show yourself friendly. <laughs> That's in, if you need... If you want your friend realm to increase, then you've got to be a friend. And then it increases. So God has set in motion increase. He has set in motion increase. Let's look at 3 John. 
Third John chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. It's our inheritance to prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. It's our inheritance to prosper. The more and the deeper revelation we get about Jesus and who we are, the more we increase in that area. But we have to put our hands to something to prosper. When it talks about prospering and being in health, it doesn't mean that we sit and wait for God to drop provision in our lap. It means we get out and pursue. If you want to be healthy, we need to change the way we eat sometimes. That's a part of it. We need to get up and walk, maybe. We need to do something. Change something. Because we all have a part to play in the increase. Let's look at Genesis 26, 12. Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. It says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The Lord blessed him. But he sowed. He did something in, the, in that land. So we need to know where that land is. So we can go back to verses 2 and 3. Same chapter, 26, 2 and 3. It says, And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee. See, God told Isaac the land that he was to go to. If you go back up to verse 1, it says there was a famine in the land. God blessed Isaac in the middle of a famine because he did what God told him to do. It's that simple. He increased. Isaac permitted increase to come. He permitted it to come. A lot of times we stop increase from coming. We stop it from coming. But increase was Isaac's inheritance. It was his inheritance. What about Joshua and the promised land? Joshua 1. It's too much to read there, so I'm just going to paraphrase. God told Joshua, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. That word tread is actually a warfare term. That does not mean that every place that Joshua just casually walked upon, God gave it to him. It meant every place that Joshua was willing to go to war and fight and take from the enemy, he could have. And that's why we don't possess some of our land, why we don't possess some of our inheritance. It's because we're not willing to fight for it. Just think about it. Joshua, the first place they took was the city of Jericho. God gave them specific instructions for the city of Jericho, and they took it. They could have stopped right there and not possessed anything else. But they had to keep pursuing and keep pursuing and take, because God gave them the whole promised land. 
not just the city of Jericho. They had to just keep pressing past where they were until they took everything. So Joshua permitted increase by obeying God's instructions. Let's go to Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, this is God speaking. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Well, when you begin to research this and look up the words and what they actually mean, it reads more like this. It says, for I, God, know the plans and purposes that I fabricate toward you. That he fabricates. He's not just thinking about them. He's actually molding his plans into your life. He's molding them into your life. God is doing something. It says, toward you, saith the Lord, the plans and purposes of peace. That word peace is a huge word. <laughs> I'm going to break that word down for you. <laughs> that word peace in that one word contains health, prosperity, peace, favor, recompense, and restitution. <laughs> hey, see, in that, in that one word, peace, let's just get real. If, if somebody's stolen something from you, there is no peace. If you're struggling in your health, there is no peace. If you're struggling in your finances, there is no peace. So that's why peace covers every area of your life right there in that scripture. <laughs> Hallelujah. This says God makes restitution. That's a key too. Because how many times when somebody does something to us we want to make restitution ourselves <laughs> yeah we do we want to help God out I know what they need so we want to make restitution but we got to turn it over and let God make restitution God is our restitution and then it goes on to say let's see Thoughts of peace and not of evil. God is not out to get us. Something come, come your way that's, that's not good, God is not out to get you. He is not trying to punish you. He is not trying to teach you a lesson. I've heard, heard it used as an example. If you wanted to teach your child that the stove burner was hot, Would you take their hand and stick it on it? Well, they, they would learn very quickly that it was hot now. They would never touch it again. But we're not, we don't, we're not even cl close to the parents God is. And we wouldn't treat our kids that way. We wouldn't put something evil or hurtful upon them for the purpose of teaching them something. So God is not out to get you. He is not out to get you. <laughs> he is out to bring increase into your life. It's your inheritance. Increase in every area of your life is from God. It is your inheritance. It is our inheritance to walk in health, to walk in prosperity. It's our inheritance to walk in peace. It's our inheritance to walk in favor, to walk in recompense, and to walk in restitution. 
Did you hear what I said? It's our inheritance to walk. To walk. We possess those areas by walking. By treading. By treading. We possess those areas by treading. It means we have to do something. Psalms 1, I think it's verse 3, says, Whatsoever he does prospers. Not whatsoever he wishes for. Whatsoever he does prospers. What he's willing to get up and do prospers. Hmm. Hallelujah. We have to tread in these areas. And I can, I can tell you right now, we've had two fasts here in the last two weeks. And we were thinking that, you know, we're coming against some pretty good stuff. We're thinking they're going to last, you know, a couple of days. They've been over with in probably, like, four hours. I'm just saying, the treading has gotten easier. The more you tread, the easier it gets. See, what it means to tread in an area, it means that we take our thoughts captive because that's where the enemy attacks us at. He attacks us in our mind. So we take those thoughts captive and we cast them down and we put the word of God in our mouth. What he has spoken over the situation. Matthew eleven twelve says the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. You see, God, is, God has an inheritance for us. He has peace with all of this stuff that we just listed. Health, prosperity, peace, favor, and recompense from your enemies. But you know the devil is not going to just roll over and say, okay, God's got this for you here and hand it back to you. We got to go and take it from him. We got to go and snatch it out of his hands. We got to be willing to get, in our, get on our face in prayer because that's where we, that's where we conquer the enemy is on our face in prayer. That's where we go to war. When we go to prayer and we get a word from God, we get an instruction. We get an instruction. And when we obey that instruction, that's when we allow increase to come. It's not, it's not enough to just go and get a word. you hear that it's not enough to just get on your face and pray and have God speak that's the first step because most of the time when he speaks when he speaks to me it's an instruction I have to pursue that instruction I have to pursue it Apostle Angie said this statement here a while back. She said, your faith will never go past the words that come out of your mouth. You'll never go past what you speak. Hmm. You'll never go past what you speak. This job isn't good enough. This job isn't sufficient. My kids never act right. You'll never go past what you speak. <laughs> Amen. I, I can't. I can't teach. I can't preach. I can't sing. You never go past the words that come out of your mouth. I had Jesus. I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> I had God speak this to me here a while back. He said, 
the ground that Jesus walked on was not cursed. It may have been cursed all around him, but when he set foot on it, it was not cursed. I mean, if you can walk up to a, to a funeral and stop the funeral and call, turn it into a celebration, that ground is not cursed. So when we walk with Jesus, we are not cursed, we are blessed. And the way we walk with him is to get a word from God and follow the instructions. The Lord's Prayer. This is another what God showed me with that. We say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> heaven is not cursed. So when heaven comes to earth, it's no more cursed. When heaven gets involved in it, it's no more cursed. Hallelujah. I don't remember where I got this or who said it. They're talking about blessing, about God blessing you. It says, when God says, I bless you, you know what, what he actually done when he said, I bless you? He released power to increase. <laughs> when God blesses you, he releases power to increase. He releases an anointing to prosper. And it's impossible to curse what God has blessed. The only way something that can be cursed when God blesses it is if we allow the curse to come in by what we say, by opening the door with our mouth. One of them prophets, in the Old Testament, this, uh, I remember the story, I don't remember who they were, but one of the kings wanted this mighty prophet of God to curse the nation of Israel. So he carried him up on a mountain and said, there they are, curse them for me. He opened his mouth and started blessing them. <laughs> so he carried him to another place and says, okay, curse them from this point of view, basically. He opened his mouth and started blessing them again. Then he turned to the, to the king and says, I cannot curse what God has blessed. I cannot. We have to allow increase to come. We have to allow our inheritance. We have to possess our inheritance. I heard God say, here a while back, he says, he spoke to me and said, you can have what you can believe me for. You can have what you can believe me for. So that's what he's saying this morning. You can have what you can believe God for. Let's look at our inheritance from God. Let's go to Psalms 23. Psalms 23. I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to come back and we're going to break it down and look at it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. What is leading you? That's the question. What is your shepherd? Is it Jesus or your mind or what you see in the natural? Because it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Period. That's the end of it. Verses 2 through 6 tell us what happens when he is our shepherd. Verse 2 says, He leads me beside still waters in the green pastures. That is rest. Rest comes when he's our shepherd. Verse 3, My soul is restored, and I walk in right standing with God. That's when the Lord is my shepherd. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We do not live in fear. When the Lord is our shepherd. Verse 5. Says thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Sometimes. A whole lot of times our enemies are of our own household even. Our enemies are what, what we call friends sometimes. They're the people that saying, you can't. They're the people that when God says, I want you to do this, and you tell them what God says, they say, well, you're not qualified. You can't do that. Who do you think you are? That's the enemies that God prepared a table in the presence of. See, while God is saying, while they're saying all of that, God is preparing a way. That's what the table is. In the presence of your enemies. When they tell you you can't, God is, God is already working. He's preparing a way so that you can. And he says, Thou anointest my head with oil, and he anoints you to, to do it. He anoints you to accomplish what he's called you to do. And then verse, then the end of that says, My cup runneth over. Let's say that. My cup runneth over. Say it one more time. My cup runneth over. Now, I'm going to explain what you just come into agreement with. The word cup means to hold together. It means God holds it together. God holds your circumstance together. It also means a bag for money. It means a purse. It means our money bag. When I looked it up in the concordance, that's what was listed like that. So when he says that your cup runs over, that means your provision <laughs> runs over. That is your inheritance. It's for your provision to run over. Hmm. y'all grab that your provision is your to run over is your inheritance I want you to turn to somebody and look at them and say my money bag runs over my money bag runs over my purse runs over <laughs> my purse runs over <laughs> verse 6 surely goodness which means beautiful bountiful favor and wealth 
and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. <laughs> and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> but see, the thing you got to grab a hold of right here is that everything from verse 2 to verse 6 all hinges on verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. If he's my shepherd, that, mean, that means that I do what he says. He says that my sheep hear my voice. No other shepherd will they follow. We follow his voice. We do what he says. We eat where he says to eat. We If an area in your life is not lining up with the word, then I hate to say it, but I'm going to. Then the Lord is not the shepherd in that area. Because the area that he is the shepherd in, there is no lack. He prospers. That area prospers. The area that he is the shepherd in, there is no want. Because that's what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So if there's want anywhere in our life, he is not the shepherd there. That's pretty black and white. That's just because if he is the shepherd, there will be no want. That's what it said. Very simple. Hallelujah. So all of that from verse 2 through verse 6 is our inheritance from God. It's our inheritance that Jesus paid the price for us to have. But we have to possess it. We also hear the last fast was we were praying about entitlement. It, about the spirit of entitlement being exposed for people think that they deserve something that they really don't deserve but they think that they do it's entitlement it's kind of like the commercial y'all remember the jg wentworth commercial it's my money i want it now <laughs> y'all remember that commercial i think everybody knows that commercial it was a good commercial if you remember it If we get our inheritance too early before we're ready, we will turn out like the prodigal son. The prodigal son wanted his inheritance. He demanded his inheritance. So his daddy gave it to him. But he was not able to sustain it. He was not able to keep it. He didn't know what to do with it. And because of that, he, well, we know what he did. He splurged it all. But in Galatians 4, 1 and 2, it says the heir, as long as he is a child, is the same as a servant. Even though you have an inheritance, if we're not ready for it, God doesn't necessarily give it to us. He gives it to us as we are ready to step into it. Yes, praise God. <laughs> it says, He is the same as a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the Father. We have an inheritance, but God has put people in our paths to teach us how to walk in our inheritance, what to do with our inheritance when we get it.
And as we possess our each inheritance step by step, Matthew 25, 23 tells us that he that is faithful in a few things, that God will make ruler over many things. See, an entitled person believes that they deserve special treatment. They deserve something special. They're privileged. That's what that prodigal son was. I'm your son. I deserve to have my inheritance now. And the father gave it to him. But an entitled person is also selfish. And they're ungrateful. And they're not willing to do the work. You know, to possess our inheritance, we have to do some work. We have to do it. <coughs> but our inheritance from God is bigger than us. It's bigger than us. Because it's not about us anymore. When we really get into God's inheritance for us, it's about having enough to minister. It's about having enough for someone else. It's about having enough to reach out. Amen. John 10, 10. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. That they is you. Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. See, the promises of God are our inheritance. You know, casting out devils is part of your inheritance. <laughs> to be able to cast out a devil out of somebody, that's part of your inheritance. To raise the dead is part of your inheritance, as Minister Andy said. To tell someone where to throw their net to catch a boatload of fish is your inheritance. Let me break that down. If somebody's having a struggle in their business or something, you can give them advice. That is your inheritance. Even though you don't know how to fish. Jesus wasn't a fisherman. He was a carpenter. But he, he could hear the voice of God and told him how to fish. Hmm. <laughs> Part of your inheritance also, the Bible says that you and your household shall be saved. All of our household Saved is our inheritance. The lost. He says, I will give you the heathen for your inheritance. That's the lost. But to get that, but to get that for you and your household, we can grab a hold of that scripture and say, God, you said that me and my household shall be saved, but we've got to carry it to the next step. God, what do I do? To possess this inheritance. How do I possess this inheritance? How do I possess it? And then God will give you a word. For your family. For your family members. And he's pretty good at giving you a word for each specific person. God doesn't really do things in groups too much. He gives you a word for each one. And then we can grab a hold of that word. And we stand on that word. And usually that word will come with instructions. Sometimes those instructions are to leave them alone. Hmm. Sometimes those words for our family is to leave them alone. <laughs> I know that for a fact.
I've got a brother. God's given me a word for him, but years ago we would try and witness to him and try and witness to him. But he never was open to receive anything, but you know it's my job. I got I got a witness to him. And one day we were it's when we were in that storefront church out there on uh, Hancock. I'd pick my brother up. We'd picked him up from the airport and carried him out to my daddy's. But first, we stopped in to introduce him to Pastor Eileen. She, she shook his hand, asked him how the weather was, how his flight was. She didn't talk about God to him, not one bit. And then we went on, carried him out to my daddy's and stayed a while, then come back by. She was at the church. So we stopped back in, and we walked in and talked to her, and she looked at us and said, there's no need for y'all to be witnessing to him right now. His spirit is closed. In other words, keep your mouth shut. Just keep your mouth shut right now. <laughs> so sometimes God's instructions are to keep our mouth shut. Let somebody else minister to our children. Because sometimes they can minister to our children better than we can. Now, if God tells you to, that's one thing. You do what he says. But it says, you and your household shall be saved. We have to follow the instructions. When I was praying, it's like I heard God say, it's time to rise up and take our inheritance. It's time to rise up and take your inheritance. It's time to rise up and take your inheritance. That means that we walk with purpose and we talk with purpose. We walk with the purpose of God and we talk the purpose of God and we take our inheritance from the enemy. We take it in prayer we get a breakthrough in prayer, and then we do the instructions. We do the instructions. We have to follow the instructions. I can't say that enough because that's an area that we're all, myself included, it's easy to let go of. We get a word, but do we follow the instructions? To possess our inheritance. So if you want prayer this morning. If you want to know what your inheritance from God is. I want to pray with you. If you want the perseverance to follow his instructions. I want to pray for you too. So I just invite you to come. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.